Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We are your hosts, Kristen and Karan. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today, we're chatting with Chloe Coxall. Chloe is a mom of three, bushcraft, outdoor activity, and shooting instructor who is passionate about teaching children the survival skills we've lost. Chloe, you've been charting your own course and following your inner compass for a while now, and we would love to hear what started you on your pirate journey and led you to where you are today. Okay, so basically, my journey is a a very long and very uh, rough one. Should we? Well, rough and smooth, but like, see, but like literally being a pirate on a boat. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, growing up, I had an autoimmune disease. I spent a lot of time in hospital in intensive care and um, lost a lot of weight. So I've got like Crohn's disease. Um, so I didn't have a normal childhood. I had quite a rough childhood with my mum. I ended up uh, living with my mum and uh, my stepmom and my dad, sorry. And uh, I spent a lot of my childhood, yeah, in and out of hospital, sort of whilst they were poking and prodding and trying to figure out what was going on with me. Um, so, yeah, and then as I kind of grew up, I then found sort of peace outside, shall we say. I found it relaxing outside. I enjoyed being outside and spending that time outside. Um and yeah I'm really passionate about my kids having the same feeling really having that escape being able to have a home from home and kind of um yeah relax in nature and just there's no pressure there's no um society you have to conform to there's no tick boxes there's no right or wrong even you can just be yourself do what you want um in the forest so yeah I'm really keen on on making sure that their childhood is filled with that because that was my release when when I was kind of growing up um then actually into adult life that became more of a release for me as well um so unfortunately I was in a really abusive marriage for uh eight years in total and uh, it took a long time it does take a long time with these things um for me to finally break away from this marriage which I have done now and it's all good um I mean, and yeah, my sanctuary throughout this marriage and still to this day is is the woods, it is the forest. It is because you're in your own secret environment. You, you, again, there's no pressure. There's nobody that's going to appear if you don't want them to. You can get lost if you want to. You can sit and no one's going to judge you for sitting there for half an hour and doing absolutely nothing because sometimes we need that break. We need that emotional mental kind of break um and also i think with with again with sort of society and the way it's been built and stuff like that our children have lost um a lot of skills not just hands-on sort of um fire lighting or shelter building or foraging or iding a tree or whatever but they've lost the ability to realize how resilient they are and i think that's why it's so important for us as adults as well as the children to realize that you know push our boundaries build up our resilience build that self-confidence push you know those boundaries and and take those risks so that we do 
realize that we can do it and then once we have done it there's this massive empowering like yes I did that and it just gets you another another level up and another level up and you just keep building up that way mm-hmm. I think so that's a massive kind of yeah I suppose a drive behind what I do and and why I'm doing it for my own personal reasons but I want others to be able to see how it helps how it benefits mm-hmm. um so yeah so going back to like when you were younger how did you like discover kind of the magic of the forest was it just was was it close by and you just wandered in or did like was there someone that took you camping or like how was that kind of discovery process so we were lucky enough that with my dad and my dad's business that we've always had um access to outdoor activities we've always been very practical children we've always I mean I remember my dad like all of us could drive by the time we were like 12 because mm-hmm. and, and like tow trailers and and I remember my brothers and 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 like growing up and there'd be full-grown men and my you know little um brothers would be sort of out driving them and stuff like that Um, So we were really lucky that my dad taught us loads of practical skills and he kind of introduced us to the industry, shall we say, of being outdoors. And then that just kind of opened all these other doors um, because we were always out with him. We were always outside with him. Um, And to be honest with you, the big thing for me was, was as silly as it might sound, was leaves blowing in the wind. Because it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in the forest, whether you're from my point of view, you're led in a hospital bed. You can look out that window and you can tell so much just by seeing that tree or, you know, seeing is, is it windy today or the leaves are blowing. And, and that's almost like a, um, like watching a crackling fire. It's something that draws you in. You can sit and watch it and get lost in your thoughts. And, and it takes you away to a different place of not. So from my point of view, if I was led in, in Southampton hospital, which was quite a a regular occurrence, I could be looking out the window, looking at the trees, and it would take me to that forest where I may have gone walking with dad between sort of, uh, jobs or whatever, or my nan and granddad, they lived in a beautiful house, um, which had its own sort of little woodland at, at the bottom. And, um, don't get me wrong, they weren't sort of massively wealthy. They worked very, very hard and, and that paid off because they had a beautiful house with this little sort of woodland. And I just remember growing up, we would just play in this woods all the time, whenever we could. We would never be in the garden or any, it would always be in, down in the woods. And my granddad actually had a cabin built when he had someone come and uh, thin the woods. He, he had this cabin built for us, um, only tiny, like a little, little Wendy house sort of thing. And um yeah I just so all these little intros of just dog walks with friends or family or uh, playing in the woods at nan and granddad's or sort of between venues at different venues so between jobs with dad when we could escape or even right down to just being in a room and being able to look out the window and and see that tree which would then take me to that place um, which I found sanctuary I just found it a, a, a sort of something that helped me relax found it something that put me at ease and that kind of thing Mm. yeah I I love a lot of what you say I mean the forest is definitely where I would say like my sanctuary and Kristen's heard me complain my last house that I lived in was like the end of my block was the forest and now it's it's not now I'm in like (laughs) a soulless house by the highway (laughs) um but just having that like one of the things that I've noticed moving away from that area is 
Um, I find there's a constant noise now, um, even though it's like, quote unquote, quiet, I feel like I can always hear cars or something versus like that, the sounds of nature. And so like for me, the part of that sanctuary is the silence. And even though it's not silent, because you still would hear like the birds and maybe like where we were, it's, we, were uh, we had a river. So you would hear the river and you would have the birds, but it was just a different kind of noise that was very calming. And I find when I'm away from it for too long, it the noise of like the world almost kind of puts me on edge um, and I need to have that that silence um, is there like a specific thing like that for you that is really um, kind of paramount for your relaxation time when you're in the woods yeah I think going back to kind of what you were saying about so living in a built-up area it's quite noisy you can always hear a car you can hear this it's funny because um that for, for people that live there quite regularly that to them it's probably quite quiet they're used to it we accommodate it don't we 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 get so used to hearing it that we find an ease should we say in hearing it whereas for us and, and for myself the forest or, or the woods wherever whichever you choose to be in, are so noisy so noisy but it's a it's a it's a great noise it's a um almost like a, a white noise to a baby it's a real soothing noise and actually I find it has got a massive element of of kind of being able to ground you by hearing these noises mm -hmm. you take that time you hear that bird you stop you listen you hear those um leaves blowing in the trees you stop you watch it you hear a crack of, of something you kind of tend to turn and see what it is or the creaking of trees as they're blowing in the wind absolutely love that sound so cool so mm -hmm. so cool and um all those little things or like um the sound of your feet um sort of walking across leaves and stuff like that and so i find to me that it, it, it is similar to that of of white noise for a baby really like it is I find it grounds me massively like really grounds me and I kind of walk into it and I gather all those sounds and and then obviously it makes the other senses wake up as well so I'm smelling things I'm hearing things I'm seeing things and it just I it almost like I draw power from all of these things and it just puts me in this real calm relaxed state of mind where and and then I've just everything else is is forgotten you know you can really just take a breath, take it all in. And you're so busy concentrating on those noises that the other stuff that might be going on in here or in your heart or whatever, just seems to take a back seat for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then I find that by doing that and listening to those sounds, you're calming yourself naturally. And so when I'm stressed or something's bothering me, when I'm put in that situation and I listen to those noises and take that time, I can handle the situation so much better, so, so much better because it's like a, you know, a, a, um, yeah, natural, natural sort of calming thing, shall we say. Mm -hmm. So do yeah. you, do you live out in woods near nature now so that you can get there whenever, or do you have a way to escape and get away whenever you want to? Yeah, so I'm really lucky in that I live in a very rural location. Um, we live on a little estate and actually it's just, it's two cottages. There's a big main house down the bottom and then there's two cottages and um, we're basically surrounded by by uh, fields and, and little sort of bits of woodland which we can access. We've got some beautiful water meadows and a, and a wood 
down the bottom of the road, literally a stone's throw away, which we can access. Um, and then there is loads of beautiful um, sort of public woodland surrounding us. And then I've got um, the site which, which we operate from, which is kind of sort of, we've got access to about 120 acres, um, some of which is, you know, uh, public bridal path and stuff like that but some of which hasn't been touched for years you know it's completely untouched and it's that kind of it's that kind of forest that I love because there's just there's there's no trace there there's nothing to tell you who was the last person here has there even been anyone here for however many hundreds of years um, you can kind of judge a little bit of sort of the ground or the trees around you and stuff but I just love the 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 um the, the sort of the cleanness of it the fact that you can walk into it and you're the one that is sort of making a mark however not leaving any sort of trace obviously um yeah i do so yeah i've got lots of lo loads of woodland around me i'm very very lucky mm -hmm. and i do make use of all of it so it's great mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about the the work that you're doing so i've been for for years on and off um i have been an outdoor activity instructor and that's ranging from clay shooting to quad biking to buggies to other shooting activities we've got like a wide range of stuff that we've always done uh, my dad's really really uh sort of well known in the in, in in the industry he works for a really uh successful company and so we've kind of been brought up doing that kind of thing um so we've always had our hand in that and then with everything that i had going on i uh, felt that need, that craving that I needed the forest. I needed to be in the forest. Um, and at the time I, I wasn't working, um, wasn't allowed to work. I wasn't allowed to do anything, but I could go and escape in the forest because there was nobody else there. And, and I could kind of get away with, I'm going to walk the dogs or I'm going for a walk with the kids. And that was my way of kind of escaping into that. Um, so I went on to do uh, my bushcraft qualifications, uh, which there's still more to do because within that kind of industry, you're always learning, you're always bettering yourself. It's always trial and error. Um, I don't think I know any kind of bushcraft and survival instructors that would ever turn around and say, yes, I know everything because they're, they're all very humble and they all say, no, we're learning every day. That's all part of it. Um, so basically I wanted to um, see I kind of reached this point in my life where I was like this is my life now I can do anything I want I can go and qualify on anything I want I can do whatever I want so I did go down the path of, of yeah getting qualifications to be a bushcraft and, and survival instructor um, and I love teaching my kids I'm so so passionate about teaching the next generation I think that um I always remember a friend of mine, um, a very good friend of mine now, first met my my little boy, my middle son, Ralph, and um, he was three at the time. And uh, Ralph was walking around with an axe. And I remember this guy kind of looking, being, and you could see in his eyes, you know, he was nervous. He was nervous as to why this three-year-old was missioning around in his wellies with an axe on. And then uh, my kids are quite confident. Um, they never were previously, but this has come out a lot over the past sort of couple of years. And uh, I always remember he was like, do you want to watch me cut something up with an ax? And this guy who's a great friend of mine now was literally like, is this okay? Is this? And I was like, it's 
fine honestly like it's cool chill and and he was so on edge and anyway and my my son kind of lined his he's they've got stumps that they're, they're splitting on and he had his axe and he was holding his axe properly and his feet were like everything was was how I taught him to a T he did so well and then he kind of puts his hand up that's his thing right is he puts his hand up to point to say that's where I'm going to hit that log and he did and honestly this guy who has become a really good friend of mine was blown away he was literally like like what? <laughs> and uh, so then he and he's a photographer, and so he then spent the whole time when he was at he was supposed to be at a business meeting with my dad. No, nope, no, nope. he spent the whole time photographing and videoing my my three year old son because he was so blown away about how he was so relaxed with the tools he was using and how I was so relaxed. But I think that is the key. I mean, there's so many dangerous things that can be placed in our hands. Um, and our children's hands, but it's all about the user, isn't it? It's all about knowing how to use the tool that's put into your hand um, or having the correct PPE or, or whatever. And so I've just drilled it in from my uh, from a young age into my boys that, you know, you're in control of that. If you, you know, this is how you alleviate that potential risk. Um, but also sometimes taking those risks when they overswing and might slip into the the log round that the, the splitting log is sat on and they realize oh I overswang it then what did I do wrong they then work out what the problem is and they fix it and they learn from that and I think so I'm really really passionate about teaching the next generation because I do think um and I mean my my eldest son George who's 10 he is like gaming obsessed mm -hmm. and you would think that he has a games console he doesn't because mm. I will not give in to it I can't he has access to them uh when he goes to other people's and stuff like that but um yeah I just no he's he's not having one mm -hmm. and I want him that that's the trouble with it I think children have just they are and I know the world is growing with technology we all have to keep up with it and and technology has done some amazing things but also I think it's done a lot of damaging things and I think I mean we're using technology now to be able to do this so I'm not knocking it but I think from we our older skills our survival skills are just as important having the ability to ID a tree having the ability, uh, the ability, sorry, to ID whether something is poisonous if consumed or not, or touched even, having the, the, the knowledge to be able to light a fire, um, build a shelter, know how to get water. I, I, and I think those are things, or, or like natural navigation, I think those are things that we as humans have lost mm -hmm. massively. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think it's really important that we gain those skills again, but not just from the point of view of having those that that hand on hands on skill but just to make you realize that you can do these things it's very empowering it, empowering it's very um it encourages people to take risks and and when they do it just makes them realize that they can do it and it's it's better than any sort of prescription drug or or therapy or anything like that i think it's realizing that you can do it and and then when you do it and so from from young to old, I, I'm very passionate about helping people to realize that by doing these, what we may see as, as quite simple things to to say, for example, a, a couple that have lived in a, a town most of their life, they, they, you know, have got very 
standard jobs in offices or whatever all of a sudden to put them well out of their comfort zone and put them in a situation where they've got to learn to survive the weekend will bring them stronger make them stronger sorry bring them closer together um help them realize that they can do all these things and it's guaranteed they would come away from that i mean it would be make or break let's face it but that's the same with any situation though it's either going to go one way or the other they either get on really well or they'll hate each other mm. but you know what they've saved themselves potentially 10 years of of or more of rubbish because mm -hmm. if you can't pull together and get through something like that then maybe it's not meant to be but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I do. I think it is. So that's kind of led me on to, to what I'm doing now. So I am very, yeah, I am basically um, got setting up a bushcraft and, and survival school that will cater for everybody. Um, it will cater to your, your normal families or, or single people or a group of friends or whatever that want to come and learn some skills and just spend some time in the woods, just have just enjoy themselves, have some fun. Um, and then alongside that, I want to set up support groups to help sort of, um, I hate the term survivor because a dom domestic violence survivor is, is a very big label, I think, to put on anyone. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're a survivor at all. You're a thriver, you've, you've nailed it, you've got through it. If anyone, has lived to tell that tale and got through it you're more than a survivor and I yeah I do don't like that term but a, a support group to kind of help people that are going through various things because there is so much sort of yeah anesthetic that can be found being in the woods mentally emotionally physically um and so I'm really passionate about people seeing that and realizing that um, and it's also introducing them to others. So it's a good way of networking people that are like-minded. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one side of it. And then the other side of it is a, sort of a forest school because I have been there myself and I have seen mums and dads or carers that have got young children and, and it's hard, man, you know, it's really hard. And even whether you've got money issues or not, whether you've got loads of support or not, um it can still be a very very lonely hard process to go through and so i'm quite passionate about starting up it sort of a, a four-tier system shall we say um with kind of the first tier being that support group for like a baby group mm. uh like a toddler group but it's not it's with with an extra spin on it. it there's no judgments there's no walking into the village hall with everybody turning around and staring at you and sort of clicky parents and things like that it's going to be a cup of tea by the fire. The kids can play, mums chat, dads chat, and everybody is a real relaxed, no pressured um, environment that everyone can learn those natural skills. Because I think chuck anyone, a handful of people, regardless of gender, age, what they do, religion, chuck anyone around a campfire and, and you just watch that, that therapy just appear them just naturally happen because mm -hmm. people talk people relax people um get a lot from it i think and they don't realize it until they've done it um and then i want to go for sort of like a preschool system um where we have sort of the younger ones so in theory that would cover my 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 youngest son uh who's two he's currently in a preschool and his preschool is absolutely great because his preschool leader is a forestry 
forest school trained uh, sort of leader, shall we say. So she can do it, but she's not got the facilities there to do it. So I'm really hoping um, that she'll be part of the team, to be honest, because mm -hmm. she's great. And I would love to have her on board so that we can kind of cover the younger ones. Um, and then we'll have, I've got another lady who is, is helping me too, who's a homeschooler. Um, so we're going to go for sort of another system that will be open to um, homeschoolers that need a bit of R&R. &R. Yeah, sort of that school starting age through to sort of um, 12, shall we say. And it is just to get those children kind of out of school to realise that they can still follow a curriculum, but just outdoors, they can still sit at a table and, and learn something they can instead of you know sitting at a desk in four walls 30 children kind of doing that why can't you have sort of a handful of them sat around the fire carving whilst talking about poetry or or going through a maths lesson it's just a different setting you can still teach the same thing but just in a different setting because you know what kids are kids are, there's no two people the same in this world mm -hmm. how can you expect 10 kids to sit in a room and and all learn exactly the same way they don't and I think I mean it's quite bold of me to say but I do think like the school system is massively failing our children because mm -hmm. we're expecting them all to do the same thing we're expecting them to all tick these boxes and they don't they just don't and the trouble is when they don't conform they're labeled They've got ADHD, they've got their naughty, they've got social anxiety, they've got eating disorders, they've got this, they've got that. And they're so busy kind of throwing all these labels at these children instead of just calming down, I think, and, and just taking a moment to go, actually, do you know what? Uh, little Jimmy Smith is playing up in class because he's bored. Mm -hmm. He needs a different approach. He just needs a different way of learning. Mm -hmm. And I know, again, with, with my own children, I see it with them, which is what gives me the absolute, all the drive I need really is I, I want to help all the local children, obviously that, that need it. But my main drive is the fact that my three children need it. You know, my children haven't had been given any labels or anything like that but my my eldest son he does struggle at school he really does because he is bored he he doesn't want to sit still for six hours a day and and scribble on bits of paper he, whereas verbally he'll he'll stand up in front of in front of 30 adults and give a speech no problem at all it's just he needs a different approach um so I just I'm very passionate about that and I think with the older children so the, the the last tier as such would be the sort of 12 plus and at present I currently work um with children sort of aged tw yeah 12 and above they're sort of the ages we're getting it in at the minute are sort of 14 15 16 and I'm seeing these children that um so for example not breaching any data protection or anything I have one, I'm going to change the gender as well, just to be on the safe side and, and just to completely throw it out there. Um, yeah, so we're going to have, so we've got one female that has been kicked out of state school, public school, because she has an eating disorder and social anxiety. And she's then been thrown into uh, an AP school, so an alternative provision school with some of 
the worst children in the southwest you know these children are hard as nails and quite right too because when you hear and see what they've been through you, you get why they're like it but then you've got someone like this female that has been thrown into this situation so she's now gone down the route of drink drugs bad behavior she never had that to start off with but basically the states you know the, the state school the public school when we can't deal with this, we haven't got the funding, we haven't got the manpower. And so I want to put something in place that when that happens, I'll take them, I'll take them and I will teach them and, and my team will teach them to get them through their GCSEs, to get them through whatever it is they need to learn. Because I don't see why they can't follow a curriculum outside, learning so much else to add to it. There's, there's so much more that you can, tie into these lessons to engage the children and 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 make them hands-on and and you know regardless of of um sort of people are saying you know um children are overweight they're eating too much sugar they're this they're that well if they're outside learning they're moving more they're, they're eating less they're drinking more because I know myself with my children, I'm hungry. No, you're not. You're thirsty because they, <laughs> kids do, don't they? They instantly go for for food. And actually, sometimes we do as adults go. Oh, I'm hungry. No, I'm not. I'm thirsty. Um, so I just think it is crazy that there isn't a massive sort of backed sort of program, shall we say, that works alongside schools like an AP, but in an outdoor setting, there's a handful of forest schools, there's a hand, handful of sort of AP situations that um, similar to the one that I, I sort of teach myself. Um, so the children come in from, from the school to us into the bushcraft setting, and then we teach them. Um, I'm just really surprised that there isn't something more kind of working in schools, along schools, you know, an outdoor activity, leader or like a, a job role within schools or within the council that sort of go to these schools and say right what are we doing about outdoor education okay we've got a handful of children here that need you know um alternative provision because then they're they misbehave they've got behavior issues they've got this they've got that well instead why can we not deal with that but within the school setting but in an outdoor or, or a local forest setting. I just think there is a massive gap there and I've seen it with my own children, which is why I'm so passionate about setting up sort of, yeah, the Woodland School, which will run alongside um, sort of Ragnarok. So obviously the the, the, the business name as such, which we're, we're going with is Ragnarok Wild Skills. And, and then alongside, which will be our sort of bushcraft and, and survival stuff. Um, and then we're gonna have the Woodland School that's gonna run alongside that to help um, the local children. And, and hopefully it will be a successful program. However, we sort of get there, we will get there. And, and um, then if we look to, to go further afield, we will. But at the minute, I'm super keen on, on helping my own children and, and you know, friends of, of my own children and local schools and, and starting with that really. So that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm kind of going for that. So, so much there, so much good, <laughs> so much gold. I like, I love your school idea. And if I had something like that, I'd still be teaching. <laughs> so, um, 
There's something that came to mind. There were a lot of things that came to mind while you were talking, but when you were talking about your three-year-old throwing the ax, I, I remembered two things. Like first, um, my nephew, when he was five, my brother and my grand, my, my dad were letting him saw. And I was like, why are you letting him do that? He's only five. He could cut something like he could hurt himself. And now looking back, I'm like, no, this is a good thing. We should be teaching kids how to properly use the tools because they're going to get hurt from us protecting them from using them, not from us teaching them how to use them. I mean, they could still get hurt, but, but not, it's, it's going to be a lot less likely than if they pick up a saw, having no idea how to use it and just start sawing or hitting or doing whatever with it. So so cool. And then I realized as well, like what the other thing that popped in my mind was being a child growing up in the eighties in the U S we were basically told everything will kill us. So uh, there were all these TV shows about like, if you uh, mow the lawn, you might chop off your foot. If you do this, you might lose an arm. Like body parts are falling off like crazy on the TV shows. <laughs> and, and I'm realizing like, yeah, fear was built in as a child in the eighties to do any of those things because I could lose body parts if I <laughs> touch any of this stuff. So yeah, you, you teaching kids, those survival skills is so powerful and mm-hmm. so important. And yeah, realizing now what we've done to ourselves because we've been afraid to learn any of that due to the fact that the TV shows and movies told us that we could lose body parts if we did anything (laughs) brave or scary or even normal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When we first moved to Canada, we lived uh, up north and uh, it just reminded me my, for my fifth birthday, I got a 22 rifle. And so my dad would take me out shooting in the back of the woods Um, and you know, as a kid, obviously it's not like I slept with it in my bedroom or anything like that. It was, (laughs) but I, he taught me how to, how to shoot and how like basic gun safety. And so here I was as a, as a five-year-old living up North where people had guns, you know, because we, it was a very small town. There were a lot of bears and cougars and all the other things. And, um, you know, giving, uh, you know, as a child, having that healthy respect and understanding of firearms versus like, I, people I still know now are like very fearful of firearms. Right. So there's just little things like that, that I was like very grateful for as a small child, um, getting that understanding and that education and that experience, which, um, so it's everything that you say is like really resonating with me with, you know, what we need to teach the children. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's very cool. I think it's that whole, like, it's an understanding as well with your father teaching you um, to use a firearms. You could grow up and actually turn around and say, you know, I'm not bothered about shooting, but he's taught you that skill of, uh, and and therefore you um, understand it and you respect it. You're not frightened of it. There's no fear there. So it just puts you in such better such a better situation that you understand it. And I think that's a, another big issue is people are frightened of stuff because they don't understand them or, or mm-hmm. so like with, with my children, they may grow up and, and want to be a banker in the middle of London or something like that. And they'll never touch an ax, but they also won't be frightened of it. And they have the ability to, to pick it up or put it down or actually 
explain to others how to use it properly or to pick up on others if, if, they, if they're not respecting the tool that they're using and, and advise them to prevent any accidents happening and things like that. And I, I think that's really great. I think that any parents kind of um, give any, any children, whether it's firearms using an axe or, or a saw or whatever, it's just giving them that little bit of, of life skills and just teaching them to respect something and understand mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and then another thing that you were talking about um, that reminded me of another story is just camping a couple summers ago, and um, I was just I was with my partner and we just had our little campsite set up, and um, there was a group of girls across the way, and you could see them struggling, um, you know, kind of chuckle a little bit as it takes them, you know, a couple hours to put their tents up. Um, but they wander over in the evening and they ask my partner, like, can you just help us build a fire? Um, cause they couldn't, they couldn't get a fire going. And so like, I was like, I got this right. And just going over and actually teaching them how to split the wood. Cause like, you can't just put giant logs of fire and expect mm -hmm. them to burn and, um, teaching them how to set up the fire and, and to keep it going throughout the night. And then I remember the next day, just being so proud of them watching from our campsite that they built their own fire. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, how great did is that? that yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then that's like, is, you know, it's not a, a huge thing. It took me like 15 minutes, but just to like see, um, you could see from, from, even from where we were, like, you know, how proud they were of themselves the next day for building their own fire and, and like accomplishing that. So I love when you, how you, um, you know, it's just the confidence that people get, um, when they, um, they have these new, they accomplish a new skill, right. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. It is. It's totally cool. And actually it's mm -hmm. nice for you as well, for you guys to be able to go, we've done that. We've taught those people and look how proud they are of themselves and, and yeah. look how lovely this whole situation is. Um, and so, yeah, it's a win-win for both. Definitely. I think. Yeah. We had talked mm -hmm. about starting a, um, you know, learn to camp program for, for women. And then, and then COVID happened. Um, it was, yeah, right before COVID. Um, but it's still something that plays in my, in my mind, you know, as you like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. yeah women good. only women only right mm -hmm. get together learn to camp yeah. learn to build your own fire how to put up a it's tent in less well, than two hours <laughs> <laughs> so your partner is your is your partner male or female yeah so in theory those group of girls approached your partner mm -hmm. so again it's that thing of like presuming because you're a man mm -hmm. can you light that fire and, and of course you stepped up and went no I've got this so again that's so great and and so much sort of punch for what you want to do because that's clearly something that that um needs to get out there to to go actually do you know what women can do this mm -hmm. I'm a woman I'm teaching you to do this you don't have to presume that um a, a man can do that and actually the the ratio sometimes that I get of groups, um, women learn, you know, uh, men are great in, in all their ways, but women learn a lot quicker um, mm -hmm. and they seem to, to pick it up a lot quicker and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. is, is, is great. It really is great because I think 
Um, for a man, it's pressure that they, they, they should know this skill. How can they not know this skill? They're a man kind of thing. So for them, it's it's a bit of pressure. It's a bit like, oh, God, I need to learn this skill. I should I should be able to do this if I conform to society as such. And um, so, yeah, I think it's really great when when I do get two people, male and female, and, and they both are in the same situation and the male completely gets rid of that pressure because he's done it, he's nailed it. And the woman actually finds a lot of confidence and, and empowerment because she goes, do you know what, I've done it too, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's great because they could both go off and, and you know, camp and, and light fires and they've got it covered and it's brilliant. Yeah, we actually have, our province has um, a program called Becoming an Outdoors Woman, um, which is really cool that it's like a provincially you know, funded, government funded um, program um, that I just found out about recently from, from one of my clients at the gym. So it's, it's pretty Maybe. cool. Yeah. It's on pause right now because, you know, COVID everything's on pause. Um, but it's definitely something that like um, sparked my interest to like, look into once they start up again. Awesome. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I have a friend that I met this past spring, which she um, would talk about. I uh, lived out in the woods for, I think she said like three months, lived out in the woods in a cabin all by myself in the winter, had to take care of everything myself. And anytime she talked about their survival skills that she learned and how she would get excited about uh, potentially teaching other people. I'm like, yes, please. I would like, I would love to learn some of this. I I need more of you in my life because these are skills that I, I need and so many other people need too. So yeah, being able to here, especially when it's women too, that are like here, here's this skill I learned because men it's, yeah men are taught it a little bit more where women Mm. have been taught to stay home cook do these do this Mm. so when you hear it from other women like I'm I can go out in the woods and I can fend for myself and I know how to do all these skills like that's Mm -hmm. so so empowering and I need more of that Mm -hmm. there's um this is like totally on an aside if anyone's interested there's uh, I just finished reading a book it's fiction um, but it was called The Forest of Vanishing Stars. Um, and it's this young girl who was raised in the woods. Um, and uh, this was happening during World War II. Um, and uh, basically, she ends up like uh, helping and teaching a, a group of Jewish people that fled um, some of the ghettos um, to survive for a couple of years in the woods during, um, during the war. Um, and it's a brilliant book. I read it in like two days. I couldn't put it down. Um, but she teaches them how to, um, you know, how to make shelters like in the summer and then shelters for the winter, how to like, you said, identify which berries you can eat, which you can't, um, how to clean up your camp, um, uh, so that there is no trace of them so people can't find them other trackers so it's a it was a brilliant book the forest of the vanishing stars if anyone wants oh a, i would definitely a novel definitely look for yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. anyways That's as i said <laughs> it's very re- related to what we're talking about yeah <laughs> definitely wow. yeah um so you've told us about a lot of the stuff that you've done or that you wanted to do um I would love to hear what some of those bold actions that you've taken in your life to, to get you to where you are now. 
Um, what are some of those bold actions you've taken? So I think there's several, and I think they've all been definitely within recent years. So I think my my biggest, boldest action, um, which at times I've questioned was it the right action, was finding the strength to leave my ex-husband. I think that was my biggest kind of boldest move because although there was this massive sense of relief and release when it happened, it opened the gates of hell. <laughs> uh, it really did. So um, my um, ex-husband is like majorly narcissistic I'd never even I find psychology fascinating and people's behaviors I find quite fascinating um but actually narcissism was something that I hadn't really come across uh whether it was because I was I was with somebody that that was that way inclined I, I don't know um but actually so yeah my biggest boldest move was was moving away from from that relationship but actually stepping through these gates into an almighty battle of just unpredictable like that whole yeah literally like I said it was like stepping through the gates of hell like Mm -hmm. I he I faced a lot of battles um once that had happened mentally emotionally physically financially just everything um and then I think actually still off the back of that again another bold move was right at that sort of one part of me says oh the weakest part of me uh, time in my life but I don't think it actually was I think it was actually one of the strongest parts although I felt weak with everything that was going on I think I was actually probably at my strongest to be able to keep going and again I think that was a big sort of bold move is the fact that every day I kept going every day I got out of bed every day I cared for my children I kept on going although don't get me wrong you know at times I did really struggle through but I still was every day was taking a step forward mm-hmm. um so I think that was again bold and and then at the same time I decided to sit there and kind of go I can do anything with my life right now anything what do I want to do um, and actually that leads on to my other kind of uh, career path, shall we say. So again, hand in hand with the bushcraft and survival and, and the forest and, and the beauty of it, I will have always stressed an interest in wanting to know how to manage it properly, how to look after it properly. So, um, and I was always told that I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, you know, too pathetic to do it, too fat to do it, whatever. And um so I actually went on to do some um, courses to start my sort of journey in, in um, tree surgery so that I can know how to care for the forest, how to ID trees properly, how to learn their scientific names, how to look, yeah, look after it properly. Um, and so again, I think to go at my most vulnerable, weakest point in my life when I was not my... I was myself, but I was still finding myself. I decided, right, I'm going to do this career and I'm going to go and pay for my courses and I'm going to go and do my courses. And I stepped into an industry that is predominantly, you know, male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a very tough industry. You've got to be fit. You've got to be quick. You've got to be, you know, fit and healthy and stuff. And and I definitely wasn't. Um, 
with my Crohn's and stuff, one of the worst things for it is, is stress and all that kind of thing. Um, but again, I kept going. I kept sort of being brave, being bold and, and whatever. And it has got me, those bold actions have, have got me to where I am now. And I am, although it was a rough journey, it was my journey. It was meant to happen. And I'm really mm -hmm. pleased it's happened because it's made me realize how strong I am. Mm -hmm. And I think with all of us, um, which this may may sort of answer a, a, another question, but all of us have this misconception that um, we are um, we we look to others or or other things for our strengths. So whether that's prescription drugs or antidepressants or whatever, whether that's therapy, counselling, drugs, alcohol, we all look for this other thing to draw our strength from when really we need to realize that we draw our own strength we make our own strength and I think from my point of view I stopped looking for someone else to pull me out of my dark hole that I'd got into with everything that was going on and again sort of a bold action I basically metaphorically slapped myself and said get out of this hole stop looking for someone to rescue you stop looking for someone to give you that strength and power you need to take control of that and find it yourself because you are not going to get out of this without that and yeah okay you could take antidepressants to make you feel better you could go to therapy to make you feel better but that's not a permanent fix and I think again another thing with with us as humans with society with culture whatever we're taught you'll heal you get traumas in life you'll heal from them you'll you're this, you're that, you know, it, you know, and then and then we feel that we failed ourselves when we're being taught, oh, you're heal, go and have a nice bath, you're heal, go and see the therapist, you're heal, and and you start your healing process, and there's so much of it about everywhere, and and I really don't mean to insult anyone by by saying what I'm saying, but my outlook on it is is this is. And I've been there myself where everyone's telling me, oh, you'll heal. This is how you heal this. And I kept feeling like I was a failure all the time because I was like, why am I not healing? Why am I hearing a song that's making me cry? Why am I seeing something that's triggering me off, making me cry? And it was only when I realized, hang on a minute. I'm um, so we're similar to that of trees. We don't tree, trees don't heal if they get cut into whatever. They don't heal. They seal, they seal their wounds. And we are the same. We do not heal as humans. And we're being, it's been drilled into us. You've got to heal from this trauma. You've got to heal from this abuse you've been through or whatever. We do not heal from it. We seal it the same as a tree. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. So then instead of feeling like, <coughs> excuse me, that you're failing because you haven't healed from this trauma, it, it makes it less pressure to go, do you know what? I've heard that song. I've cried and I've moved on from it. And that's okay. I'm still sealing. I'm still, I'm still moving forward in life. Mm -hmm. Because I think similar to that of grief, when, when, we're, when we're healing or sealing, whatever we want to call it, we learn to live with it. We never get over it as such. And I think we're being, it's being drilled into us that it's not acceptable to, you know, you've got to feel better. You've got to stop crying about it. You've got to get over it. You've got to man up. You've got to this. You've got to that. Do you know what? No, you don't have to you can because that's perfectly normal it's 
to feel rubbish when you hear a song or or to to suddenly feel like you want to cry or scream or shout and so I think a, that was another sort of bold action that I suddenly realized that this is my power this is my life this is my strength and I'm in control of this I'm in control of of everything and all the stuff I've been through I haven't healed from it I'll never heal from it well you know you smash a plate on the floor you try and glue it back together it will never be the same but instead we we seal over those wounds and we get stronger and we carry on and I think it's a bold move to finally realize that because I think we all look for other escapes other reasons as to you know why am I not feeling better because you're not it's okay you don't have to feel better right now you feel like that and you know what in half an hour's time you'll feel different in a week's time you'll feel different but it doesn't mean that the way you're feeling now isn't or is acceptable just just roll with it just yeah yeah. One of the most powerful statements I heard when I was beginning my personal growth journey was there's nothing to fix because you aren't broken. And mm-hmm. like to hear that, like we're not fixing you. We're not coming in and like healing you because you're not broken. Like where you are right now, you're, you're good. And you get to choose. Do you want to keep growing? Do you want to move forward from here? And do you want to make a new choice? But there you're not broken. And to hear that and to be like, oh yeah, like I've been told I'm broken. And that's what everybody believes. We're broken. And and it's so hard to live into like, I gotta fix myself because I'm broken. But when you are Mm -hmm. able to realize I'm not broken, so there's nothing here that needs to be fixed but I can choose to be better. I can choose to be more. I can choose to grow yeah. and add. And that, that was such a powerful statement for me to hear. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that you said that, you know, we've talked about a lot on this, uh, the show is like, no one's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, you say it was the weakest point, but I truly believe that that was one of your stronger points because you realized that you got to design and create your own life from that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So you took those actions despite, you know, what, you know, what you were going through, what you were feeling, how you were feeling, you took that, that strength and, uh, and took the actions to create and design your life that you have now. And I think that's a huge um, point of strength for, for you and for anyone listening that, that, um, that takes their their life into their own hands like that so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think it's a massive bold move for anyone when they suddenly realize that the power and the strength that they actually hold in themselves to make those decisions and and to to grow in life and and carry on through their journey and and that kind of thing and yeah I think it's great that um it's being it yeah it's getting out there it's being more acceptable that you know there is no fixing us. We're not, we're not broken. We just are the way we are and, and we deal with it and we move forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that brings me back to your survivor versus thriver too. Mm-hmm. Um, like survivor is a victim state survivor is this happened to me. All these things happened 
to me, whereas mm-hmm. Thriver is this happened and now I'm going to take my life into my hands and I am going to choose my journey. So yeah, I like how you're rewriting that term too, because going from that victim of this happened to me to no, I'm a thriver. I I'm, I'm going to choose. This is my journey. This is my story. Yeah. Yeah. I hated it. I just, I hated that, you know, I had therapy I had and, and I had support from a domestic violence charity and that was the term they kept throwing at me was victim 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 and I was like do you know what when you're feeling weak and you're feeling low and you're feeling you know you're you've you've left your husband was that the right move you've you're letting your family down you're letting your kids down you're letting everybody down you're, you're weak to have someone then keep telling you you're a victim doesn't give you that strength it really doesn't and and that's why yeah that that yeah sort of we didn't we didn't survive we, we thrived in our situation because we had to and I do think that is a much stronger statement it's a much stronger sort of word to use mm-hmm. which is why I kind of went with that and I, I pushed that now saying you know you're you're not you you're thriving man you're you're whatever situation hard situation you are facing if you're getting through it you're you're thriving and and I think yeah that's a major thing that we all need to kind of hear sometimes is there was there a like pivotal moment that um that you would share with us that actually um got you to take that action to leave your relationship is there like a straw that broke the camel's back or was it a thought process like what was it in you that that made you take that action to be honest with you, I so um, the sort of the day that I decided enough was enough with with my ex husband kind of thing. Well, I it'd been going on. I think with with any kind of toxic relationship, you go through various things like your your trauma bonding, your your love bombing, and all that kind of stuff that I was quite subject to. And then I was kind of in so deep that I felt like I couldn't escape. I couldn't get out, even if I, you know, I was subject to to financial abuse all sorts of stuff so I just I felt that I was in this thing and I could not get out um and then we moved back close to my parents which was his biggest mistake but my biggest gain and actually it happened there, there was no other way we could do it he basically had messed up so badly with something that we had to go back to my folks um and I think that just caught him off guard. And so it kind of, I was finding that I was getting these little bits of strength, little bits of power back. And I was kind of constantly being reminded every day of what's not right. This isn't right. This shouldn't happen and and stuff like that. And actually I lost a lot of, a lot of friends and family over the various years, apart from one friend who stuck by me through the whole thing. And we argued and we, absolutely clashed heads and at times we were you know couldn't stand each other because I wouldn't listen to what she was saying she wouldn't but she you know she couldn't understand why I wasn't understanding it and um yeah you know it, we got quite frustrated but do you know what she never ever never ever gave up on me and actually she was a big part of my journey because I used to see her every morning on on the school run and I always remember the, the day before I just I woke up 
and I just I'd had a really good week where I'd had lots of friends lots of family all of a sudden had reappeared and and I was making lots of friends and where where we'd lived in this new house I had a great neighbor who I've still got now who I love dearly and and the little old lady that used to own the big house down the road and her family and I just built up all of a sudden I'd like gravitated this great support group around me without even knowing and I just remember waking up one morning having the power to do it and going do you know what I, I can't do this anymore mm-hmm. and then I remember don't get me wrong I, I was in a mess I just wasn't right and I remember sort of going to the school and all of it's a blur I just remember seeing my friend that didn't give up on me and um, she was sat in the school car park in her car because she was actually on the phone and um, because she was on the phone the children were at preschool I went and got her little boy because the doors were open to take them in and were really good friends so I just kind of went over to the car just in a natural but in my sort of fuzzed state of mind to get her son and she took one look at me and she went wait there sort of thing and I said no let me take the children in and I took the children and I remember coming back out and she got off her phone I just broke down I didn't have to say anything and she just knew that I was done I couldn't do this anymore and she basically just gave me a lot of power as well to kind of encouragement to so so no she didn't give me power she gave me encouragement to realize my power and my capability and then it was just it I just thought no do you know what I'm not stuck here I don't have to do this And that was that kind of pivotal moment that, or should we say that push, that encouragement off that person to kind of, you know, you've got deep water underneath you and they give you a little push to say, you can swim, so go kind of thing. And that's what she did. And and then all of a sudden, it was like I had a standing ovation of friends, family, neighbours, people that I hardly knew. All of a sudden, all of these people just appeared and all of these people had been seeing what was going on and, and seeing me and they loved me dearly. They loved my kids, still do, dearly. And they hated him for what he was and what he did. And, and it was just all of a sudden, it was like a transfer in, in energy, you know, like his energy was just gone, taken by, he was out of control. And all these people just gravitated to me, into my life and just kept giving me this power, this energy to get me through. And to make me realise that I could do this, I can do this. And but then obviously you have your your drops as well when everybody's gone home to their friend to their families, you know, and you are in my case, you know, I was in the house by myself for the first time in a very long time with three small children, panicking like anything, um, and going through the emotions and and have I done the right thing? And it's crazy because even though it is a toxic person that has been very nasty to you, you know, there was points where you loved that person. And so you're toying with your head and your heart and you're questioning your questioning your actions and you're not knowing whether you've done the right thing. Um, but every day something would make me realise that no, you have done the right thing. And every day I'd, I'd keep taking that step forward. Um, so, yeah, I think it just, I don't know, just... That pivotal moment, I think, was realising that I wasn't alone mm-hmm. and that I had support. And that support was always going to be there for me. 
I just needed to to let it in as such Mm. um and I wasn't alone and I wasn't going through this on my own um and I didn't have to go through this on my own and and I had all the help and I think that's what kind of got me through that bit Mm. um and although finding my own power and strength and stuff you know people can't be with you 24 7 but when people were they were great the the support I had was was unreal from family and friends and friends of friends and and actually I found which I think it's similar with friendship groups and stuff when you the people you associate yourself with and the people you kind of hang around with shall we say um almost make you the person that you are and I've found that since taking that sort of toxic bit out of my life shall we say I've just had all this like great energy great vibes great people great opportunities just absolutely gravitate towards me like I'm a magnet to it and every time that happens that just gives you more kind of strength to go I can do this I've done this I'm doing this kind of thing and it from my point of view it then gave me that strength to go do you know what I got through that because I'm a very very strong person but also because I had that that bits of and bobs of help and stuff I need to help others because others can do it too mm-hmm. um and I think that's another massive drive of mine is is sort of making people realize that you do have the power you do have the strength so pull it like use it because it's there for you and do you know what when you're lacking in it use that support group because they'll give it back to you kind of thing they'll top it up shall we say yeah I mean that's the whole thing with having a pirate crew right like yeah there's no one single captain that can you know sail mm-hmm. the ship and you know pirate himself or herself yeah well I right? think like in our lives we're we're the captain of our mm-hmm. ship mm-hmm. and then the support and the people that we surround ourselves with are our crew and it's mm-hmm. how that affects how well our ship sails doesn't it because if we've got Mm -hmm. a rubbish crew if we've got people that are trying to you know throw us overboard or whatever to take over we're not gonna sail very well but having that great group around you to make you realize you can sort of be the captain of that ship and you can um sail through it as such I'm going to let that soak in. <laughs> like that, that was good. That was yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so where can our listeners go to find out more about you? And what so I use Instagram mainly. Um, and my current sort of Instagram profile is the shooting mum. Because um, again, uh, shooting is something that I'm quite passionate about. Um, and it's a male dominated industry. So uh, although now it's really coming out more for women which is great um so yeah and I wanted to make people realize that you know you can do both you can be a mum you don't have to you know um be that typical sort of what society wants us to be that homemaker that mum at home that's looking all pretty and and got a lovely clean car and she takes the children to school and they're all immaculate because that's definitely not me (laughs) um so yeah, so my Instagram is the shooting mum and the business page is, is Ragnarok Wild Skills. And as we kind of build up on, on other bits, so the Woodland School and stuff, um, for obvious reasons, because it's children, there won't be uh, sort of pit, pictures of sort of us as a group, but there'll be pictures of what we do and what we create and that kind of thing. Um, 
so yeah that's kind of where where people can kind of find me and follow my journey and and actually it's you know it's an open it's an open profile so you know anyone that feels they need support or needs a bit of encouragement it, it or go, is going through that journey or is stuck in that hole of uh, or you know whatever I think it's good to find somebody that has been through it to help you through to make you realize mm. um so I've that's one thing I always kind of talk about on my page and stuff is to say you know talk to people talk to me I, I will listen always no judgments I'm always um because I've been been through it myself mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the biggest things in in society is that it's that taboo that judgment that oh god I can't say that because I might upset somebody um and with me they, they won't because I've been there I've done that I've got through it kind of thing yeah well, how would you recommend that our listeners start on their their very own pirate journey and yeah take their captain their ship mm-hmm. I think life is short life is seriously short and it's your life and I think people have to realize that it is your life mm-hmm. don't say can't don't make excuses there is always a way like you always have um a choice and I think there's actually a there's actually a a sort of little write-up and and a picture on on my Instagram that basically says that and it says about how in fact I'm going to read it am I allowed to do that yeah (laughs) but um and I sort of live by this and I would say this to anyone um so yeah, it, it basically goes, it's never too late or too early to be whoever you want to be. There's no time limit, stop whenever you want. You can change or you can stay the same. There are no rules to this thing that we call life. We can make the best or the worst of it. I hope you see beautiful things. I hope you feel things that you've never felt before. I hope you meet people with a different point of view and I hope you live a life you're proud of. If you find that you're not, I hope you have the courage to start all over again. And I think that is one of the key things in people's lives, regardless of your circumstance, you have the ability to change it, to do it. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, you've got to be happy. And I, and I think, yeah, like you can change it, you can take control. Um, and actually, I, I wrote that sort of little thing with a picture and I remember when I did it and that was probably at my one of my pivotal points in my journey where I just went you know what like I want to share this with other people because people need to realize that and my goodness when you take that that left turn what a release it is what it's so refreshing it's so great to to go I've made that change and I've done it and and yeah I would really encourage anyone to, yeah, go for it because life's too short. It really is. Um, and our last and most important question: um, Do you know any pirate jokes? I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's let's hear it. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> what joke it is; it, they're always awful. What did the sea <laughs> say to the pirate? 
nothing it just waved <laughs> oh, so bad so but you've good. got to have a good you've got to finish on a good pirate day mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> yeah i wonder eventually we're gonna run out yeah yeah oh my goodness you yeah you're with? gonna have to come up with sort of other boat well i suppose that you once you've finished kind of um exercising all the pirate jokes you've got the jokes about um wood planks the sea treasure (laughs) it could extend to quite a few others sailing jokes i don't know anything about the sea (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll have to expand our repertoire eventually yeah (laughs) awesome well it's been so Mm -hmm. nice chatting with you chloe and uh, getting to know you and hearing more about your story um so thank you for for being on with us today Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And keep creating good trouble.